Amen. 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 Thank you, Mrs. Brinkman. What a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. Well, let's stand take our Bibles this morning. We've got to get you right through the service today. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I want to ask our members to look around you. If you have someone next to you that doesn't have a Bible or a King James Version of the Bible, if you'd be kind enough to share your Bible with them, that would be a blessing. Luke chapter 15. And we want to go down to verse 17. We need to hurry along the way to get you out for Father's Day. Luke chapter 15. Our evening service tonight starts at 5.15. Look forward to seeing you there. Brother Brinkman will be preaching tonight. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a great encouragement to you. Luke chapter 15. Go with me down to verse 17, and we'll read to verse 24. Very familiar passage. Have you read this at least one time? Luke chapter 15. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You know this passage, if you've read this part of Scripture... It's probably known or referred to as a story about the prodigal son. But the Bible starts off, if you look at verse 11, it says a certain man had two sons. It could have said two sons had a father. But that was the intention. God purposely said a certain man had two sons. I believe as we look at this study this morning and we try to get our arms around and our minds around this, I do not believe the central person in this story is the son. I believe the central person in this story is the father we just read about. And this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, may God help us today to see a father who knows best. A father who knows best for you and me. Lord, thank you for the song that Mrs. Brinkman just sang, When Jesus Comes. And now today, Jesus is in this service. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And we pray for that power this morning to open our hearts and minds to understand the precious, loving Word of God. We pray this morning that you would love our souls through the Word. We pray this morning that we would have an understanding and enlightenment of what our Heavenly Father is all about. It may be for some today, this might be the very first time they'll call upon you to be their Father, which is in heaven. And for others today, to draw closer to you, to draw nigh unto God, that you'll draw nigh unto us. Speak to every heart. Bless these remaining moments we have today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is Father's Day. And again, we want to um, acknowledge and 
give you our prayers and best wishes for today. It'll be a wonderful Father's Day for every dad. And by the way, I just want to tell you, I can't think of a better place to be than be in church on Father's Day. Amen. And to worship God and honor our Heavenly Father there. We're just thankful for you being here today. We're looking at the example of a Bible father. And there are quite a few in the Bible. There are, there are extremes of fathers that are not so good. And then there's extreme like this father here who is an excellent father. I believe this man that's looked at here, this is a parable, it's a story. I believe this father here is a picture for you and me of who our Heavenly Father, God the Father, is all about. We want just to take a moment devotionally to kind of wrap our arms around that and says today the story here about a certain father who had two sons. I want you to notice this morning about a father who's know, who knows best for your life and mine. Notice several things about this passage of Scripture because of time. Number one, would you notice beginning in verse 11, we see a father's reverence. The Bible begins by saying, and he said, a certain man had two sons. Now, if you know anything about this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And it starts off in Luke chapter 15 with these Pharisees speaking in condemnation to Jesus. They're speaking to him about his association, his fellowship with with sinners. Uh, these men were somewhat, uh, the Pharisees were known for showing favoritism. They were hypocritical in their faith, and they were against many things Jesus preached about and taught. And the stories we go, the passage here deals with things that are lost. We see in uh, the first thing that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 15, he gives a story about lost sheep. And then he talks later on about the story about lost silver. And then we look at here in chapter 15, the remaining part of scripture about a lost son. And the emphasis there is about God's love for people and God's love for those who are away from him, those who do not know his father. And so God wants us to recognize today how much he loves us. And the kind of idea and image that the Pharisees were portraying about God was some of a twisted and perverted idea of, of God. And so God, Jesus was trying to bring them back around to understanding who God the Father is. And as we look at this, we see a certain man had two sons. Now, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out that since from the, from the day God created man and Adam and Eve were created and they, Adam was the first human father. He had, he had a son, a son that was born. His first son was born. His name was Cain. That there's an idea associated with fathers. There's an idea associated with them. The idea I want to give us this morning, first of all, is the idea of reverence. Now, reverence means showing respect for. It means showing deference for. It means honoring. And the very first thing we read about this in the the Bible falls within the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, we notice that in the Ten Commandments, God makes an interesting uh, statement here about a command. He says in Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, honoring thy father and mother that's the fifth commandment. <coughs> it's right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. God wants us to understand that, first of all, that we are to worship the Lord. We're to honor God. We're to lift up His name. We are to recognize we're not to have any idols before us. And after God is finished in the first four commandments and dealing with our respect and honor and worship of Him, He draws us then to uh, parental authority. And authority, because what we see and how we respect parental authority gives an indication of how we respect and worship God. And so God takes a moment to the Jews and he passes it down to us about the importance of honoring our father and mother. Now, honor is the first thing we learn in a home or should learn in a home. Uh, we teach our, our young families that one of the first things you want to ingrain in your young children is the importance of having reverence and honor. I tell our families this, you know, that the children should recognize the authority in the mother and father's words. Young parents, I want to encourage 
encourage you as you train your children. They need to be taught that the first time you say something is to be obeyed. You're not to give them a time out and wait to the second time or third time. They need to learn that immediately when you say something is to be obeyed, that your word is the law, because that'll help them in developing a heart of obedience for the Lord as well there too. And so we, 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 we do that. We encourage you that your children, that they learn how to greet you and acknowledge you. When they get up in the morning, it should be your children first to say, good morning, dad, good morning, mom. And when they go to bed at night, good night, dad, good night, mom. Or when, if you, when mom or dad come home from work, if the children are home first, that they ought to recognize and stop everything they're doing to acknowledge your father and the mother. I mean, this needs to be ingrained over and over and over again so they understand this is important because what we think about our earthly parents reflects about what we think about God. Now, notice this command in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. Everybody here, you have one biological father and one biological mother. You have one paternal father, one maternal mother. They are to receive your honor and acknowledgement. I hope you took time today to at least get a card or something or say, give some acknowledgement and hug your, your daddy's neck and to say, thank you, dad. Happy Father's Day. Notice this, this, this commandment is the first commandment with the promise. Paul talks about that. Notice the promise found in Exodus 20, verse 12. He says that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It's an encouragement that children who honor their fathers and mothers have a tendency to live longer. Now, I think, I think what that means is this. Children who learn how to honor their father and mother, there's something about their spirit that they seem to be happier children. And they seem to be children who are content with that relationship. And it doesn't, it's not a second thought for them that if something goes wrong with mom and dad, they are there to help them just as much as mom and dad were there to help them in growing up. It's a commandment with a promise. It's a commandment that says, it may be well with thee that your days on earth may be long. But it's also a commandment with a priority. It's a reminder that the word honor is an all-inclusive word. It's the idea that it's to be lifelong. Honoring mother and father is to be lifelong. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit, I, it gets a little bit concerned that in, in an American culture, that children, when they get to be 21, they start calling their mom and dad by their first name. And uh, something about that just doesn't sit well with me. Maybe you're okay with it, but it doesn't sit well with me. Somehow it goes against the grain of Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. They're still your dad, they're still your mom, no matter what it may be there. It is an all-inclusive word. It has the the idea that in daily life they're your father and mother. It has the idea that when you're in public, that you should not be ashamed to introduce your friends or anybody else to your mother and father to say this is my dad and this is my mom. Uh, the first people you want to make sure that your friends get to know are your dad and your mom. There ought to be such a respect for that. And you say today, well pastor, you don't understand. My mom and dad, we've got some challenges at home and, and I just don't know. I've just, you know, I've been, a, I've, I've just things are tough at home and I'm not really sure that I can do that. Let me encourage you today, regardless of how you may have been a recipient, perhaps, of not maybe of what you think you should have, it doesn't change the commandment. The commandment is still the same. You are to honor your father and mother. So we see a dad today where the priority was in, 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 uh, in honoring him. I want you to notice something today. In this matter of honoring father and mother, the reason why God gave that to us as a commandment is that our human tendency... Our propensity with what we're born with is to be disrespectful, is to be rebellious, is not to follow the rules. We have a rebellious nature. And we read something very interesting. If you'll look in your notes, in Proverbs 19, verse 26, it says this. 
He that wasteth his father and chases away his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. Not about you, but when I read that verse, every time I read that verse, and several of the verses like that in the book of Proverbs, it kind of just is a little bit disturbing to me to think that, that there's a generation that respecteth not their father and mother. And all I'm saying today, your father and mother alive today, you ought to just hung around the neck and just say, thank you for being my dad. And thank you for being my mom and, and give them acknowledgement and love them and just be thankful for what God has done for you there. And we see here the reverence of a father. All right, we think about how Jesus had ingrained it in the Jews, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, about the importance of recognizing God as our Father in heaven. And as we read this morning in Galatians chapter 4, and we read over Romans chapter 8, that when you enter that relationship of knowing God the Father as also your Savior, that the very first thing you can acknowledge is you can say, Abba, Father, you call Him your Heavenly Father. We see the reverence of a father. But notice something else as we look at this father in, Je- in Luke chapter 15. We see a father's reverence, but I'm excited to tell you about this father's riches. Now, it happens to be that this father was materially rich. He was well-to-do. And this dad, as we look at it, he had many, many things. Now, I want to say this this morning. Fathers should be a model, an example to their children of hard work, of diligence, of wisdom, of foresight, of carefulness, of savings, and things of that nature. And every dad, I want to encourage you. You say, well, I haven't done that, Pastor. Well, you can start today, amen? You can start doing that today. But you should be an example of hard work, of diligence, of uh, being honest, of uh, being truthful, of being uh, diligent, having wisdom and foresight. A Christian father, above all that, should be a model testimony of loving God, of faithfulness in church attendance, of faithfulness in reading your Bible, of being uh, loving your wife, and being a good caretaker of the family. And I think as we read this subject here in Luke chapter 15, we see this father in his riches. Notice some things that I'm going to highlight very quickly. In verse 12, we know this father had, had, uh, had material goods because his, son, his younger son asked for that. We know this, this father, he had land, and he had houses, and he had crops, he had farming animals, he had servants. I mean, and his sons, they were, they were young adult sons. They were very aware of what their father had. They're very aware of how much land they have. They're very aware of how much they sold on the marketplace. They're very aware of how much crops were reaped every year. I mean, they were very aware of that. This man was well known to his sons as being a man who had great greatness in his accumulation. It's a father in his riches. I want you to consider this morning that he was rich in his goods. He reminds me this morning of our heavenly father. Aren't you glad this morning that our heavenly father is rich in his resources? My father is rich in houses and lands, the songwriter wrote. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our God is the creator of all of heaven and earth. And sometimes we can get so caught up with being so earthly minded, we think about what we don't have when we should be thinking about what we do have. And sometimes you need to be like a pastor friend of mine who doesn't have much of anything doesn't own a home, the cars that he drives, that basically the church provides it. When people ask him, what do you have? What do you say for retirement? He'll get them inside that church-owned car. He'll drive them out and he'll say, look over here. And he'll take them over to where they can see the ocean. He says, look at my father owns all of this. And he'll take them on top of a mountain. He'll, they'll look down at the landscape. And he says, my father owns all this. And he'll show them all these things. They say, well, how could that be? I thought you were poor. He says, no, but my heavenly father is rich in all things today. And I remind you today, we have a heavenly father who is rich in his goods. And this father was one who was rich in his goods. In fact, the greatest thing we read about our Heavenly Father is about John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I remind you this morning, the psalmist said in Psalms 106, Let us praise God for His mercies every day. He's rich in His mercies. He's rich in His faithfulness. He's a God who's loving. He's a God who can be dependent upon. He's a God who's the anchor of our soul. He's a God who loves us. Everything 
everything we read about the attributes of God can be, can be seen as extensions of God being our Father. He's a faithful God. He's rich in His goods. But notice something else. This Father was rich in His giving. Notice in verse 22, He told His servants without any reservation, when the Son came home, bring forth the best robe and put it on Him, and put a ring on His hand, and shoes on His feet, and bring hither the fatted calf. This Father was not stingy. This Father was not a miser. The Father gave of His best and even His all. In fact, in verse 31, he said about to his son, he says, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. This was a father that was rich in his goods, but he was rich in his giving. He was giving his heart. I'm thankful about Brother Denny read this morning as we gave the, as we took up the offering. Matthew chapter 7. And I like Matthew seven eleven because it says this, If ye then, being evil, not ha- know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask of Him? James chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that, that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And I'm excited to tell you this morning, we have a Father in heaven who's called the Father of lights. And we have a Father in heaven who's called a Father of love. And we have a Father in Heaven who lavishes us with His goodness and with His love and the intrinsicness of all of the love and things that He gives us. I'm just thankful today that we can call Him our Heavenly Father. Harriet Buell wrote that song, A Child of the King, and she said this in the lyrics, My Father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in His hands, of rubies, of diamonds, and of silver and of gold. His coffers are full. He has riches untold. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King, with Jesus my Savior. I'm I'm a child of the King. How many would you say this morning, I'm thankful that I'm a child of the King today. Amen. The Apostle Paul, I believe, as he wrote Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Just parked there for the moment and his mind, his thoughts went into the heavenlies. And he wrote these words. He said, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I believe Peter in the same. He parked himself as he wrote First uh, Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. He kind of just got his mind into the heavenlies as he wrote. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. Hey, I'm reminded this morning, we can bless God. We can honor God as being the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Father Jesus is your Father and my my father is well there too. He's a father who's rich in his goods. He's the creator of all the earth. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But he's a father who's also rich in his giving. Oh man, I encourage you this morning. Draw richly from our heavenly father. Spend time in the presence of our heavenly father. Thank him for his resources and thank him for his goodness and thank him for his attributes and thank him for his greatness and take your Bible somewhere and go offside for 30 minutes to an hour or even longer and take some time and say, God, thank you that you're my heavenly father. And thank you, I have a relationship with you where I can call out to you and say, Abba, Father, I can call you someone that, that's close to me and intimately and near to me. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're someone that has a distant relationship with God, I can't think of a better day than today to draw near to God. Because as you draw near to God, God draws near to you. We see a father in his reverence. We see a father in his riches. But look at our story this morning. As we get to verse 12, we see a father who is rejected. What is rejection? What is rejection? I remind of a story of a a pastor and a song leader who got into a feud. I thank God we don't do that, amen? 
You say, what would you happen if the song leader didn't sing something you like? I would just start song leading. Amen? Okay? A spot pastor and song leader got into a feud, and, and uh, it got kind of got difficult. And the pastor got up one Sunday, and he preached a message on commitment. He said, our song leader now will lead us in a closing hymn. The song leader got up, and the song that he chose was entitled, I Shall Not Be Moved. The pastor got up the next Sunday, and he preached a message that was geared and revolving around giving your best and giving your all to Jesus. And the song leader got up, and he came to lead the closing song. And the song that he led them to sing was, Jesus Paid It All. The pastor got up the following Sunday, and he preached a message on sins of the tongue and sins of speech and sin, sins of gossip. And the song leader got up just to rip the pastor again. He said, and the song that he chose was, I love to tell the story. Find the pastor was getting very frustrated with this with his song leader where he was going with it, and the pastor just kind of threw out there in his message. You know, I'm just thinking about. I just can't take this kind of rejection anymore. I'm just. I'm considering. I'm considering resignation. I might resign for that church today. And then the pat the song leader came up as he left the final song, and the song that he chose is "Why Not Now." Well, finally, the pastor was just upset, and after all these just ribbing that the, the song leader was doing, he got up, and he, said, he read his resignation letter, and he says, You know, the same Jesus that brought me to this church is the same Jesus that's going to take me out of this church. And the song leader got up, and the song he led them to sing is, What a friend we have in Jesus. What is rejection? Rejection is when I say, I don't need you. Rejection is when we say, I don't love you. Rejection is when we say, Get out of my life. And I want you to notice as read verses 12 and 13. Notice this father, how he's rejected. The Bible says a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. This younger son grew up in a home where he saw good things. This son grew up in a home where he never saw a bad day. He grew up in a home where he had three meals a day on his table. He grew up in a, he grew up in a home where he had servants that took care of them. He grew up in a home where he, uh, he would just as he got used to these things, he grew discontented. He felt like there was more than he wanted to have. I imagine this boy going to school and comparing himself to other boys and other farm, farmers and comparing himself and thinking about what he didn't have instead of rejoicing in what he did have. This, this son had gotten to the place where he didn't enjoy living at home. He did not enjoy working his father. He did not enjoy uh, all the things that he was entitled to. He just had an entitlement mindset and his great thought was, I deserve this. This belongs to me. This son was disrespectful. In fact, incredibly disrespectful. And notice verse 12, something that just blows my mind. He comes to his father one day and he says, Father, give me my inheritance. Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Now, we read that casually here and we think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that is in Jewish culture, Middle Eastern culture in those days, it was a well-known fact that a father or family never uh, divided up the inheritance among the children until the father had passed away. And by this son coming to his father and saying, Dad, I want you to divide to me thy goods while you're living. He's basically saying to his dad, Dad, I just wish you were dead right now because I want my inheritance. That's what he was saying. I mean, when he said that in the Hebrew language to his father, he was basically telling his dad, you know, dad, if you could just drop dead right now, I would like to have my inheritance. And he says to him here, as recorded by the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. This young man was was irreverent. This young man was disrespectful. This young man despised his father and all that his father represented. What makes this even more mind-boggling is the fact that when the inheritance will be given up, There were two sons. And the older son would always be the recipient of a double portion. 
whatever the inheritance would be, the older son would get double of everybody else. And what blows my mind, it should blow your mind, as this young son is asking for his inheritance, he didn't get 50-50, he only got one-third because the older brother got two-thirds. This young son was a man who rejected his father. He got lost sight of everything he had. He showed incredible disrespect for his father. You know, brother and sister in Christ, I'm reminded this morning, reminded this morning, how about our Heavenly Father? I'm reminded this morning, friend, if you've been given an opportunity to know God as your Savior, you've heard the plan of salvation. You know that you're a sinner and Christ died for your sins. And God, our Father, invites you to receive Him. And you've heard the gospel message and you've been given an invitation to trust God that our God's love for you is an unconditional love, a love that invites you to, to come to Him as Savior. But you put it off and you put it off and you put it off and you rejected God. I remind this morning, the same way this son was rejected his father might be how, how we receive God Himself. That we say, Lord, I don't need you right now. And I don't need your salvation to get to heaven. Yesterday we had the privilege of visiting with some folks out of soul winning and I reminded today of a man that I saw that I went to him I said sir with the starting point we need to begin with is that do you recognize that you're a sinner and he says no I'm not a sinner and I said excuse me he said no I'm not a sinner I said say that again he said well I'm doing pretty good there he said I probably have done those things you've talked about I'm doing pretty good I don't think I need God right now but I wonder how many of us as Christians Our Heavenly Father speaks through a still, small voice. Our Heavenly Father speaks through the pages of Scripture. and Maybe there's a sin in our life, an area of struggle in our life, that we know that there's perhaps a certain command that the Lord has spoken to us about, and we say, not today, Lord. Not today, Lord. Or we turn our backs on God and we know the verse that says today if you'll hear his voice harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. But we know as as God compels us and invites us to come to him to obey him in certain area. We reject him. We say not now Lord. I don't want to do it now Lord. I don't want to do it. And we reject the Lord. And I remind you this morning of what Paul the Apostle wrote in Hebrews 2.3 when he said how should we escape if if we reject so great salvation? father was rejected you look at verse 12 i says the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that fall to me period i've imagined many times i've read this passage scripture that father feeling like an 18 inch knife is thrust into his insides and it pierces him from the gut all the way through his back with the tip protruding through his back now imagine his father that as he heard that from his son, his son basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead right now so I could have my near. I imagine his father, tears coming in his eyes thinking, Son, you have it all anyway. You have it all anyway. Why do you feel this way? And yet the father, amazingly, we see here in verse 12, he divided unto them his living. His father's rejected. He feels the sense of not being loved. Not being wanted. Not being enjoyed. No companionship. No fellowship. Have you ever been rejected? You ever have somebody tell you, I don't love you? You ever have anybody tell you, I don't want you? Get out of my life. Get out of my home. Get out of my face. Have you ever felt that? 
There are no words that can describe how terrible, how lowly, and how hurt you are. And I want you to think with me for a minute, brother and sister in Christ. I'm talking to Christians this morning. I'm talking to some great people in this church, wonderful people. How many times have you rejected God? You know what you're supposed to do, but you're not doing it. You know you need to have a daily time with God. But it's been weeks, even months, maybe years since you've read your Bible. You know that the tithe belongs to the Lord, but it's been a long time since you've tithed. You know that service is voluntary. And one of the ways we worship God is through acts of service. And yet your, your, your thought is let the younger people do it or let the staff do it or let the deacons do it. And I wonder even among those of us who've been around the Christian life for a long period of time and we're very involved and we get that attitude, let somebody else do it. I'm too tired. I need this. I need that. I'm just saying this morning, we're in a place in life where God has felt our pushback. God has heard our rejection. God has heard us say, not now, Lord, not today. I wonder if we understand this father's rejection. Oh, notice, but we need to go on. We see a father in his reverence. We see a father in his riches. We see a father who's rejected. I'm thankful as we go through the story, we see a father who's receiving. A father who's receiving. Watch this as we see this son. He's asked his father, Lord, he says, Dad, give me the goods that pertain to me. And the father divided up his living. And notice as we read from verses 13 to 17, we see a downward spiral that this boy goes. Now, I want you to notice this today. This may be a story, but this story describes exactly what happens in every life that turns his back on God, that rebels against his mother and father. It's always a downward spiral. It's never a life that goes upward. It's always in a downward spiral that goes farther and farther and farther away. <clears throat> and we see some things that are very bothersome. The Bible says in verse 13 that not many days after that, the younger son gathered everything together. And notice it says he took his journey into a far country. He wanted to get far away from his mother. He wanted to get far away from his father. He wanted to get far away from his home. He wanted to get far away from the rules. He wanted to get far away from the church. He wanted to get far away from the worship of God. He wanted to get far away from the Bible. He wanted to go far away. Let me tell you this morning, when we get that spirit like the prodigal son, where we want all the goods now, we want to live now for our enjoyment and live now for the world. There's only one place we always wind up going. We wind up like this younger son. We go far away into a far country. And the Bible says something very interesting. It didn't say he prospered there. Now, he thought he prospered. But the Bible says in verse 13, if you'll notice, it says there, there in that far country, there far away from God, he wasted his substance with riotous living. He doged himself with a sinful lifestyle. He spent it all up. He didn't take any of the advice and encouragement his father gave in terms of saving and investment and being prudent with his finances. The Bible says he spent it all up. He got his money and he spent it all up. He wasted his substance with what the Bible describes as riotous living. And Proverbs 29.3, this boy had been taught the word of God. Proverbs 29.3 says this, Whoso loveth wisdom rejoices his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. Well, this boy was living riotously, but the Bible tells 
tells us something interesting. He's on a downward spiral. He gets his point. We're not told how long it took, but it says when he had spent all, he had spent it all up. He used up all his resources. He spent up all that he had. He spent all, and he realized he was down to nothing. He took everything that had been entrusted to him, and he spent it all up. He used it for his own aggrandizement. The Bible says, then there arose a mighty famine in the land. It just so happened that time that everything in the land fell upon hard times. He was in a time of economic change. Hey, let me tell you something, brother and sister in Christ. Enjoy the good times now, but remember one thing. Eventually, things are going to change. Eventually, the economy is going to have trouble. Eventually, it's going to catch up with it. Eventually, there'll be a time when the good times will stop. The stock market will come down. The real estate market will come down. The money will go away. Go ahead and enjoy it all that you want right now, but remember, there's a cycle to everything. Through everything, there's a season, Solomon said. And this young boy came to the point of life, in spite of all the warnings and all the teaching, all the advisement that his father gave him, he experienced famine in the land. He spent all. And he started to realize, notice this in verse 14, he began to be in want. Sometimes we don't hear God. And sometimes we don't heed God. God has to allow us to let our own decisions and our choices bring us to the plate where we begin to be in want. We start realizing, you know what? This is not a good place to be. You know what? It's getting worse and not getting better. And so now this boy notices thinking at that point in verse 15. It said he went and joined himself to sit in that country. Now he was still too proud. He was still too proud to come back home and tell his dad that he messed up. He said, well, I can still make it happen. I can still make it work. That's like somebody that gets away from God and gets away from the church. And they think, well, I know it's tough, but I don't need to tell anybody about it. And, and I'm just going to, I'm going to join myself to be a citizen of that country. And, and he says, I'm going to make it work. And the Bible tells us something interesting about this boy. It says, he went and joined himself to be a citizen of that country. He blended in with the rest of the company. He blended in with the rest of the world. He blended in so he looked like everybody else. And the Bible says something very interesting. He didn't get better. It says they, he got hired. He got a job. He became a citizen of the country, but he had to start all over. And, and it's a time of famine. The Bible says he got a job. And guess the job that he got? Guess what the job that he got was the lowest paying job that you could get? As we read that verse of Scripture, he got the job, the distinguished job of being a pig feeder. How many know what a pig feeder is? Amen. The most despicable job. The most dishonorable job was to be a pig feeder. He went to feed the pigs. He fed them garbage. Not only did he feed them garbage, he was living in the garbage because if your occupation was a pig feeder, you couldn't have fellowship or association with anybody else on that farm. You had to live with the pigs. You had to eat what the pigs ate. And listen, he tried to resist it and put it off. But notice something else there. The Bible says in verse 16, he got to the place he was so hungry. He was so much in one. Verse 16, he says, he fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. He see, got to the place in life he was so hungry. He said, listen, I'll eat the leftover corn, the cobs that they have. I'll eat the very husks that are left over there. And the Bible says he realized as he was in one that he was in a terrible situation. But worse than all that, notice the last few words that are found in verse 16. The last few words in verse 16 says, and no man gave unto him. 
Listen, you can chase the chase and chase the world and chase the thing, but Scripture is always right that it will come to the point where no man will give you. You'll realize that the people who wanted you, they wanted you for what they can get from you, and then you get the place where you think they'll give you something back. They have nothing to offer you. And listen, the citizens of that country, they gave him nothing. There was nothing they could give him. And I remind you this morning, if you're ever thinking walking away from God, if you're ever thinking walking away from your family, if you're ever thinking walking away from the goodness of the Lord, I remind you this, you can get in the world, but no man will give unto you. And so we see this boy, he's on this downward spiral. He's hit rock bottom as we get to verse 17. You ever been a rock bottom? Rock bottom means you're, you're, you're falling fast. But you've hit ground and there's nowhere else to fall. He burned and now he crashed. And the Bible says in verse 17, after all the losses, after all the humiliation, after all the shame. And by the way, by the way, as we read the story, the lavish clothes that he had on, the luxurious clothes, he was down to rags. The shoes that he once wore, he was walking barefoot. The money that he used to have, he no longer had. The baths that he could take every day, it had been a long time since he had a bath. The cleanness that he once enjoyed, he was filthy and dirty. He smelled just like the pigs. He crashed. And in verse 17 says, when he came to himself. May I encourage you this morning? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Don't get to the place in life. Will you burn and crash as that being the remedy to come to yourself? You know what he thought about? He didn't think about the warm bed and comfortable bed he'd sleep on. He thought about the following. He says, you know what? My dad has servants back home. They're eating better than me. He said, I got servants back home that are doing better than me. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. This boy, as he came to himself, notice in his mind he started realizing a spirit of repentance started coming to his heart. He said, I will arise and go to my father. He thought, you know what, I know enough about my father's attributes, and I know enough about my father's uh, spirit, that I know that the only remedy I have, I need to arise and go back to my father. What a foolish person I've been. I've gotten away from my father, and I've gotten away from the things of love. He says, I need to get up. I need to humble myself. I need to get out of this circumstance. I'm in. I need to rise and go to my father. As I go to my father, the very first thing I need to tell my father is, Father, I have sinned against thee and against heaven. And so this boy is thinking about this and he rehearses in his mind over and over again because there was an element of pride in him that said, and in the beginning that said, Well, I'm not going to go back to dad and I'm not going to tell him I'm sorry and, I, and I'm not going to confess I was wrong. But he came to the point of realizing with no shoes on and wearing rags and eating the same food as pigs and living among the pig swine and smelling like the pigs, he started realizing this is not life the way it was supposed to be. And this is not life the way my father raised me. And this is not life the way in terms of what my father's will is for my life. I've got to, I've got to go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned. Would you receive me back yourself? And I remind you this morning, living in sin and living away from God and catching some sexual disease and living in sin and being drunken and drugged up in life and going off somewhere and being divorced. Let me tell you this morning, that's not life as our father wants it to be. This boy remembered all the love he'd received as a young boy. Notice this boy starts to make his way home. Look in verse 19. 
He said, I'm no, worthy, no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy servants. And his Bible says he rose and came to his father. Now I want you to understand what's going on. He's in a far country, very far off. Many days journey. And we read something interesting. His intention was to come to his father. But we read verse 20 and it says this. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Would you you just imagine with me for a minute this picture? The son is trying to come home. Barefoot, raggedy, dirty, disheveled. He's a mess. The son is coming this way to his father. But lo and behold, while he was a great way, way off, the father was already many yards, many, maybe even a mile out there. Every day, the father from that very first day, he would walk out and he'd look for his son. He says, you know, one day I, I'm praying my son will come home. And one day I pray he'll come home. And one day the father looked and he saw an image and he knew by the way how he walked and by, by, by the appearance, he said, that looks like my son. And he saw him and the Bible says the father saw him a great way off and he saw him. And the Bible says it wasn't the son running to the father. Amazingly, it was the father running to the son. And the father saw him a great ways off. And he ran to him. And as he ran to him, he ran and he embraced his son. And as he did so, just kind of caught the son off guard. Because the son is just kind of slowly walking, making his way there. But dad is running. And dad runs out. And he runs out to his son. And he embraces his son. And he kisses him on the neck. And he's loving him. And he's forgiving him. The father doesn't chastise him. The father doesn't scold him. The father doesn't bring back the old dirty laundry. The father doesn't reprimand him. The father doesn't tell him how disrespectful and irreverent he was. He doesn't do all that. The father father comes to him as a loving father receives him and embraces him. He says, son, I'm so glad that you're home. Oh, let me tell you today, we have a heavenly father that feels the same way for every sinner today who's not saved. God, the father, you may not be looking for God, but God is looking for you this morning. He's looking for you to come down that old aisle this morning because our father in heaven wants to greet you and embrace you and kiss you on the neck and say, welcome home, son. If you're not saved today, I want you to know you may have put off the father and you may have rejected him, but today He offers you the free gift, eternal life. And with His open arms, He extends you the invitation to come to Him today to get saved. But this son, this son was already in the family. He'd gone a far ways off. He was already an heir. The story is not only about an unsafe sinner who can come to a father that loves him. This story is about saved people, sons and daughters of God, where you're not exactly as close to God as God would like you to be. And maybe you've wandered off into a far country somewhere, and you've wasted your substance with riotous living. You're not exactly where you need to be, and only you and God know how, where you're at. But I want to tell you this morning, what a wonderful day. We have a Father. You may not be looking for Him, but He's looking for you, and as He sees you far off, God is running to you right now to embrace you with open arms, to embrace you, to accept you, to receive you, and to kiss you on the neck. He's not going to reject you. He's not going to push you away. He's not going to tell you what a bad son you wore. He's not going to tell you you need to be punished and all these. No, He wants you to come home. He wants you to come back into the house. He wants you to come back in the family. We have a Father, God bless his name today we have a father who's receiving today the bible says the father saw him notice the next phrase he had compassion 
Maybe your earthly father may push you away. But our heavenly father loves you. He had compassion. And he runs to you. He's running to you now. He's already got his arms embraced around you. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come on. And the son said in verse 21, he couldn't believe what kind of love he was a recipient of. He said, Father, I've sinned. As a loving Heavenly Father reaches out to you and embraces you with compassion, kisses you on the neck. Like this boy, we need to humble our hearts. And the only words I can think of that should come out of our mouth are, Father, I've sinned. Father, I've sinned. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. And amazingly, as his father receives him, look what he does for him very quickly. The son is repentant. He's confessed his sin. And amazingly, as we read the story, the father doesn't have wrath. He doesn't have rage. He's not angry. He doesn't have a burr on his side. He's not upset that his son left with much and came back with zero. first thing the father does he receives him he didn't just embrace him he pours out his love for him in a physical and material way that he might know that he loved him and notice the symbols of all this he turns to the servants who are just amazed at what they're seeing because the servants are watching this wonderful display of love they're watching this father run out to greet the son by the way just just a thought for you when a child when a son was very very rebellious it would become public knowledge within that particular community and the and the and the punishment for rebellious son is that in jewish law was that he would be stoned and the father knew something that if he waited for the son to come to him he knew that before the son might even make his way to the home that the neighbors who knew about this disrespect they might be ready with their stones and come and stone the son and so the father coming to his son he came to him and shielded him so that no stones and rocks could be thrown to hurt the son he wanted to make sure that his son would not be hurt coming home never mind today maybe someone here might want to throw a stone at you or maybe someone here wants to condemn you and criticize you because you're not exactly where you need to be or you're not really living the way maybe you think you should be living and then maybe somebody here wants to throw a stone at you but I want to tell you today let him throw the stone but we've got a God in heaven who's going to embrace you and cover you and kiss you on the neck because he wants you to know greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world and he says to servants he says bring forth the best robe and put it on him cover those old cover up those old filthy rags put a ring on his finger upon his hand to let him know that he has honor and put some shoes on his feet. You know what the father's doing there? The father loves his son. He gives his son dignity again. Let me tell you something. People may talk down to you, but God always gives you dignity. And the father, though he was disrespected, was showing respect for his son. He was treating him as a son and treating him as an heir and treating him as a family member. He wanted everyone, especially those servants, to see this is what a father's love is all about. Then amazingly, he did something you only do for Special guests that came in your home. He turned to his servants and said, Get that fatted calf. Kill it. Let us eat and be merry. 
You see, a father's receiving. I want to tell you this morning, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, a Father of love, a Father who's looking. It comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness and in their shadow of turning. God is always the same. And the same attributes of a Father we read about in Luke chapter 15, our Heavenly Father still has those same attributes today for everyone who will come to Him. As we close this morning, we see a Father in His reverence. We see a Father... We see a father who is in his reverence. We see a father who's rejected. We see a father who's receiving. But notice verses 23 and 24 again, we're done. Notice we see a father who's rejoicing. The idea Jesus was getting across to these Pharisees as he's telling this story. He said, you know what? One might be lost. You might forget about him. But I never forget about him. His father says in verses 23 and 24 again, look again, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf, and let's rejoice. We see the father rejoicing. He's thankful his son came home. All heaven rejoices when a person gets saved. He's, Jesus said earlier in chapter 15, if a man has a hundred sheep... And one goes astray. That shepherd goes after that sheep. He brings it home, carries it on his shoulders. He says, listen, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth than over 99 who have already repented. And I can tell you today, what a great grave of rejoicing. If you're not saved today, to come to God and call Him to be your Savior, to save you from your sins. We have a Father in heaven who's waiting patiently with open arms to give you a welcome home to receive you into His home. Yesterday, we had the privilege of out. We were out so winning, and first home we came to, uh, we invited this lady with her grandson to our, our kids' camp. And uh, the Lord kind of used as a door for us to talk to her about the Lord. We started witnessing to this lady. And as we did so, there were, you know, just kind of bugs. It was kind of a warm day, and bugs were flying around. I'm going like this, and she's going like that, and I'm going like this, she's going like that. And we kind of thought, you know, if, we don't, if we're not careful, one of us is going to knock each other out. Amen, you know? So she said, well, how about you just come inside the, the house? And my son Justin was with me. He said, sure, we'll come inside. And, and she had her grandson. She said, now, before we start, before you finish what you want to tell me about, she said, I've got I to sit my grandson down. He's hungry. How many understand seven-year-old boys are always hungry, amen? And she said, I've got to put his breakfast out. And I looked at the bag she had. It was from Big Bear Diner. I said, man, he's going to eat a lot of food, amen? You know? She puts the Big Bear Diner food out and starts eating. And then she sat on the couch and started telling about the Lord. Halfway through the witnessing, I took her to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, for by grace are you saved. And I said, I said to her, I said, do you know what grace is? And she gave me a good answer, but it wasn't the, probably wasn't as, as strong as I'd like it to be. And I called her by her first time. I said, ma'am, you know, grace is love that we don't deserve. And we'd already covered about all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. And she said, Pastor, I'm a great sinner. I, she said, I know I'm a sinner. And she said, I don't want to go down that road, but I'm a sinner. I know that. You want to talk about that. And she says, I do believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again for the dead. But when I got to the word grace and I said, love that we don't deserve, I don't know how to explain this to you. But something happened at that moment that I've never experienced before. This lady just broke down and cried and cried. I mean, I'm talking about big tears are coming down her face. And I've had people cry when I've witnessed to them, but not halfway through. And not when I've explained the word grace. And she just started crying. She just went like this and wiped her face. She said, Pastor Fong, I... 
I can't believe that. Grace is love you don't deserve. And we continue explaining the plan of salvation or how much God loves her and what it means to receive Jesus Christ as Savior by faith. You know, in just about 20, 25 minutes later, that lady bowed her head and she called on the name of the Lord to save her. She said, I want to be a recipient of that grace. I want to get saved today. And she felt like that day, that, that moment that God received her. And we prayed for her. And I said, by the way, I called her by her first. And I said, hey, would you take a moment? Would you pray before we leave and just thank the Lord for what he did? And this is what she prayed. She said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm thankful that you saved me. Thank you for your, your unconditional. Thank you for your grace that you exhibit for me. That's what this father was doing there. This father was showing grace. Watch as we're done today. This father's rejoicing because he had already forgiven his son long before he came home. He was forgiving. He was merciful, he was loving, he was receiving, he was accepting, he was giving, and he gave, and he gave. He gave way beyond whatever his son wanted. And by the way, as he gave all these things to his son, it wasn't to lavish him with wealth. It was to indicate to the son and to the servants and everyone in that household, he is reinstated back into the same position he had before. He never lost it. He's always had it. I just want you to know that he's my son, and nothing, nothing bad is going to happen to him. And I remind you this morning, God is still the same forgiving God. He's there to forgive us of our sins, to pardon us from all of our iniquities, to free us from our sins, to help us to find deliverance in Him and Him alone. Alexander III was the Tsar of Russia from 1881 to 1894. He was a very oppressive ruler. Most importantly, he was known, if you look him up in history, as a great persecutor of the Jews. One particular man had done enough to insult the Tsar. He signed an order consigning this prisoner to life in exile. And once he signed that order, it was a done deal. It couldn't be reversed. And the part, the order that he wrote read something like this. Pardon impossible, comma, to be sent to Siberia. Pardon impossible, comma, to be sent to Siberia. He gave it to his wife. He said, Maria, I want you to look this over. This man has insulted me. This man has been disrespectful to me. This man deserves to go to Siberia. She said, but Maria, I want you to look this over. Is this harsh enough? Does this convey what I want? Pardon impossible, comma, to be sent to Siberia. And Maria, who was known to be very tender-hearted and very level-headed and wise, she looked at those words and she took a fountain pen and changed the wording around and changed the comma. Instead of the comma being after the word impossible, this is what she changed to the statement to say, pardon, comma, impossible to be sent to Siberia. Pardon, comma, impossible to be sent to Siberia. She changed the order. As we close this morning, I want to tell you something. God is so forgiving. And God still wants you to come home. And God has such open arms to invite you to come home. He does the same thing. Even though the penalty of sin says, pardon, impossible, comma, be sent to hell, God changes that through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ, is resurrected from the dead. He changes it to where there's a comma, where the commas change, and it says, pardon, comma, impossible, be sent to hell. And I'm thankful this morning to tell you, if you get saved today, it's impossible for you to get sent to hell. I'm glad to tell you today, if you come to the Heavenly Father, it's parting comma, impossible, be kept out of His family. What a wonderful time this morning to know that we have a Father who knows best, who invites us to come into His presence, to receive Him 
as your God, your Savior, if you're not saved, and to receive Him today and to get close to Him today as your Heavenly Father. Let me urge you today, be like the Son. The Lord rang some bells in our hearts and spoke to our heart. Be like the Son. Would you come with a humble heart and just say, Father, I've sinned. Father, I've sinned. And bear in mind, He will receive you just as He received the Son. Fathers, we give the invitation. Thank you, Lord, for just a moment we could say, we could say, love you, Lord, but you love us too. And you love us mightily and wonderfully. And just as that woman changed that comma, said pardon comma, impossibly sent to Siberia. We know that's pardon comma, impossibly be put away, impossibly sent to hell. Father, we invite sinners this morning to get saved, to call upon Jesus to save them. For Christians who are far away from God to draw near to the Lord with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Is there somebody here today you know you need to get saved? God is the author of eternal life. He sends you an invitation to come to Him and be saved today. Is there somebody here today say, Pastor Fong, I'm going to humble myself right now. And I want you to know, I'm not saved, but I want to get saved. And you'd raise your hand and say, I'm not saved, but I want to get saved. Would you pray for me? Is there someone like that today? You'd humble your heart and say, Pastor, I'm not saved, but I want to get saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that today? You see a Father in heaven who opens his arms and extends an invitation for you to come to him to be saved. You see that. You've seen the story today. Would you receive today? Is there anyone like that? You'd receive Christ your Savior? We'll wait just a moment. We have visitors and guests here today. Visitors and guests, if you're not saved. We have family members here today. If you're not saved, God wants you to be saved today. He invites you to come. He invites you. By the way, He's already extended open arms. He's just waiting for you to say, I, I take it. Would you take that free gift of eternal life? How many would say this morning, pray for me, Pastor. I need to get saved today. Anyone like that today? Christian friend, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I think you know what's going on in your heart. And I'm going to invite you in just a moment to find your way, as several have already done so, to let God's love permeate your heart. Realize today He's already reached out to you. He knows where we've messed up. He knows what our sins are. He knows our rebellion. He knows our rejection. He knows our resistance. But you know what? How should we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Christian friend, why don't you let Him kiss you on the neck? Why don't you let Him embrace you? And why don't you come home to God this morning and say, Father, I've sinned. You come in just a moment. We invite you to come. The invitation is open today. If you're saved and you've never followed the Lord in scriptural baptism, Today, I want to encourage you to come to make that decision. Whatever the decision may be, in a moment, we extend the invitation. Don't delay. You come. Father, move on our hearts. Help us to do what's right. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Your head's bowed and eyes closed as Brother Vaughn sings. I invite you to come. Would you come? Come home today. Come home today. Would you come? Would you come this morning? Come today. Come. We'll come this morning. We'll come to the Lord. We'll receive Christ as Savior. We'll come today and say, Lord, I know you love me and I need to get closer to you. Don't put him off another day. Don't reject his word. Don't be reject him. Don't redefine the words. The words are very simple what they say. Don't redefine what God has sent his word. Come today. You say, well, people will see me. Well, we're letting pride get in the way. That's why we ask you to everyone to bow their heads and close. You just come this morning. Whatever it may be, find your place at the old-fashioned altar. Find your way here. We'll sing another stanza. The invitation's open. Would you come this morning? Come to Christ. Receive His love. Here is the Son that went away. He wasted His substance on riotous living. Maybe we've gone down a wrong path. We can recalibrate, come back again. Come to the Father this morning. Come. Jesus, take me now.
Father, thank you this morning for this Father's Day. Encourage dads and fathers in the church today to live for you, to not turn you off, to not reject you and push you off, but that you may be acknowledged as our Heavenly Father who loves us. Thank you we can call upon you today. Thank you for drawing us nearer to you. Thank you today for the seed that was sown. We pray even as we dismiss in a moment that it will help those without Christ. They can still have the opportunity to trust in Christ today to be saved. Thank you for this now, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While you're standing today, I want to take a moment to acknowledge a uh, family that's come forward today. And I want to acknowledge this morning Brother Eddie and Rose Higante and their daughter Kiana. And uh, they're, they're, they've come with the intention. We've met with them several times. But Brother Eddie and Rose are saved and were baptized in an independent Baptist church like ours. And they're coming today by request of transfer membership to Heritage Baptist Church. And their daughter Kiana is coming forward, having gotten saved last year and wanted to follow the Lord's scriptural baptism. We're going to schedule that soon. But the Higante family is right here in the front. We'll hope you get a chance to uh, greet them. We're going to uh, bring them into the membership in the next few weeks here. But uh, we want to thank the Lord for their decision to do that. We're thankful you're here today. We're praying this morning that God will work in your hearts. Be back here tonight for the evening service. Take a seat for a moment. Want to see a quick connect video on what's coming up. And then Brother Hayes will lead us in closing prayer.